0: podcast the journey goes ever on with the long road this episode there's nothing else like a good metaphor this week steve takes a look behind that popular question so what are the lyrics of this song about Uh, and examines some different approaches to lyrics the heavily metaphorical or the profoundly literal kev takes us on a journey to his next cafe destination in austin texas and the bishop that's me i reveal the results of a week of experimenting in my kitchen The Vagabond Way podcast featuring The Long Road is exploring the world of the troubadour, the adventurer, the vagabond. The world isn't beige, it isn't processed, it's authentic, it's rich, and it's real. And if those are the sorts of sentiments that make your brain light up, then hop on board. We are embracing all of those things. We're celebrating all of that. And we'd love it if you joined us on the journey. Greetings, I'm Chris the Bish Leiden. it's fab to have you on board for end of the week. Um, as always, it's a, a packed week of content from the three of us. Steve Bonham, the Vagabond Philosopher, will be with you in a, in a short while, invoking Bob Dylan, John Prine and Ray Davies, quite the lyrical tour de force here. Um, interestingly, in my research for various bits of the uh, the podcast this week, I looked up some of the, the definitions of the word metaphor, uh, just to see really what it means, where it comes from itself, uh, originally in Greek, uh, to transfer, I think, uh, presenting one thing, I suppose, but transferring the meaning from or from something else or to something else, I guess. Um, in German, uh, as some of you know, I've got a bit of a soft spot for the German language. I used to be quite good at speaking it when I was uh, when I was younger, um, although I've fallen well out of practice these days. Um, but I think I, I always find it interesting to hear how some words translate into other languages as it often reveals sort of more meanings or more truth to a word, I think. So one of the synonyms for metaphor in German is built, literally picture you boil it down and a metaphor is a you know it's a picture it's a story um fabulously in a in a few words you can transport someone's mind to a, a certain place a certain action a certain time um you know the brilliant skill of songwriters is being able to tap into that in the right way at the right time uh, you know with a turn of phrase they've got you somewhere else instantly you know combine that with the right music or the right setting uh, and it's an incredible journey to be taken on um Wow, I seem to have got quite deep quite early on there, bitch. Take it easy, buddy, take it easy. Um, Some housekeeping, remember? Kev, the big man more, he's got his playlist up on Spotify now, um, and he'll be curating that, so do look it up. It's called Anglo-Americana Moonshine Madness uh, on Spotify. You know, have a listen to it. You'll get an insight into some of the sounds that Kev likes, uh, is inspired by, or that sort of fit into the, the kind of journey through the world that we're on. Um, Kev will also be here later in the episode with his latest cafe visit as well. Steve's also got his curated playlist on Spotify. Uh, it's called Anglo-Americana. So check it out. Um, give that a follow as well, or a like, or whatever whatever they're calling it now. I think the icon is a heart, which implies like, uh, but the action is called follow, Um I don't know follow your heart dear listeners also our song from the end of last year wrapped up in you is up for a uk country music award 2020 presented by ukcountryradio.com uh, we need you to vote so please go to ukcountrymusicawards.com slash song to vote for wrapped up in you in the list it's there under steve bonham uh the voting ends at the end of june so just a few days left now um anyway enough from me on with the show the last few weeks i've been taking one song from our two most recent eps uh diving into them a little bit uh, a little bit of the musical makeup or the production of them uh and this week it's the turn of interstate 25 which is from our ep from the end of last year which was called american wilderness i remember when we first started rehearsing this song uh, interstate 25 um thinking about it, it must have actually been the start of 2019 so perhaps it's one of the the longest existing songs from our current crop of songs um being all of 18 months old uh As the title suggests, it's a a song about being on the road, literally. Um, Interstate 25 is is the main sort of south-north route, or north-south route depending on your viewpoint, Um, route through New Mexico, Colorado and Wyoming in the States. Um, The lyrics are a a fabulous mix of of the real and the mystical. Um, Painting a picture of the the, the landscape of the part of New Mexico, Steve was travelling in during the time that inspired the song. Um, along with the real-life tale of, of the place that Steve ended up in, found himself in at the end of the road, heading for, I think, um, and with great little snippets like um, being somewhere on a sea of gold, uh, or one of my favourites, um, a roadrunner stops to catch its breath on the trail of Al Capone. I just love it, I love it. Musically, this one started to come together you know, just about as soon as Steve played it to us. Um, it, it spoke to us very, very quickly. The, the feel sort of just chugs along nicely, the pace, gentle forward momentum. There's some fabulous Don't Ask Me What This Chord Is moments in the intro and the, uh, the brief sort of bridge, middle eight section, if you're, if you're that way inclined, you know, scrunchy chords, which are fabulous in my book um, for bringing that sensation of tension and release. And in fact, I mean, musically, think about it, that's what this whole song is about. Um, things are always moving forward, you're always going somewhere, but the musical tension is forever ratcheting up and down, up and down. Um, without hopefully ever being overbearing or even perhaps noticeable but that's perhaps what's going on musically anyway i hope you're coming prepared for this part of the show now headphones on sit back relax eyes closed and get ready to be transported on a little road trip through new mexico on interstate 25 from steve bonham and the long road
1: The to catch his breath on trail of alcohol, the shadow of a crow, the tumbleweeds alive, the hawk is sweeping low. Where where brown eyed girl is saying you here, you must be lost, but I don't mind you saying The hotel's just an empty shell, the casinos will stop spinning, the sweet ladies all went home, the gambler took his winnings, the shadow of a crow,
2: the trumbleies in line, is sweeping low on the edifice, edifice, edifice.
1: he sold our lives forever They even burned the old church down Through tombstones in the river As I drove away from that lonely place, brown eyes winked and waved I wondered how in new ways the sinners might be saved The shadow of a crow, the tumbleweeds
2: alive What we sweep low
0: In the long road revealed this week, Steve takes a peek behind the the songwriter's brain curtain, if that's not too <laughs> weird a metaphor, to think a bit about lyrics and songs and what the lyrics for songs mean and the different approaches to writing lyrics. Uh, so I'm going to hand you right over to Steve. I've been um, I've been thinking about that interview
1: we we all did Amanda did with the uh, Kirk, the radio guy yesterday, and thinking, you know, his question, what is canyons and the desert about? Um, you know, it's an anticipated question. I talked about it earlier in this series. And I guess during lockdown, I've, you know, I've been writing songs and, 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 and the issue about lyrics and what they're about is sort of kind of walks alongside you. And, um, I think in particular at the moment, you know, two things have happened, um, over the last few weeks, um, the first is that Bob Dylan re- has released a new album uh, which has had the most unbelievable reviews. Reviews from people, when I've looked, who, who could be his grandchildren. I mean, not literally his grandchildren, because that would be nepotism or something, but, you know, they're young enough to get him, which is kind of odd. And the other was that uh, John Prine died earlier. And it... it, it if you wanted to contrast two approaches to writing lyrics, then, then you, couldn't, you couldn't, by a fine lyricist, you couldn't, couldn't think of two more different people. Bob Dylan's oh, a Nobel laureate is elusive and mysterious and metaphorical and many-layered and deep. And the joy of John Prime was it used to say, tell it how it was. I mean, if you take a, a song, Dylan's, you know, The guilty undertaker sighs the lonesome organ grinder cries The silver saxophones say I should refuse you The cracked bells and the washed out horns blow into my face with scorn But it's not that way, I wasn't born to lose you and then there's John Prine. She don't like her eggs all runny. She thinks crossing her legs is funny. She looks down her nose at money. She gets it on like an Easter bunny. She's my baby and I'm her honey. I'm never going to let her go. <laughs> it would be easy to fall into the trap of saying, you know, the first the Dylan words are worthy and the John Prine words are commonplace but I can tell you having written songs for years they're both incredibly sophisticated and difficult to write. When you're writing lyrics like Dylan, I, I always think to me anyway, it's like there's a voice inside you telling you things that you can't quite translate and you and you you try to come at it sideways. You, you, you try to create an echo that makes sense. And, and I guess when I look at my own song, not, not second to compare them, I always think that that's something I find attractive and easy to do and not easy but worth doing. But I think I've always been a bit scared and found it much harder to, to say how it is to, to just use plain simple words and not worry about sounding crass or crude or simplistic. N- not simple. Being simple is the hardest thing. John Prine, one another of his lyrics, kind of nails it. Dear Abby, dear dear Abby, my feet are too long, my hair's falling out, and my rights are too wrong. It's it's funny, it's clever, it, it's intimate, it's tender, and you don't need a PhD to understand it. It works in the same way, I think, that Ray Davis managed to do the incredible rhyme of Henley regatta with Dying to Get Atta. I think both, both the, these lyrical strategies, that's not too pompous a term, uh, are valid and important and, and work and have massive impacts if they're done well and right. And, uh, and it's fun playing with both of them. Anyway, I sat down a little while ago and I thought I'd like to write a song honouring John Prine's genius for keeping it straight, finding the poetry in the ordinary. It's a song, which I've called at the moment, Do You Believe in the Rain? and it's about an older couple eyeing each other up and wondering whether they can make it work. See what you think. This old card, this old horse, this old love, let it run its course. You can hit high when I hit low. If you believe in the rain, leave your boots on my old bed. Drink too much whiskey for my poor head. If Gotta believe in rain.
0: I think it's one of those questions about songs and songwriting that will be forever asked. um, What's the song about? Uh, Sometimes the answer will be (laughs) very straightforward. Sometimes it will be a straight-up lie or a misdirect. Uh, Sometimes there's no answer, as the answer is perhaps unknowable for one reason or another. Um, Personally, I'm terrible hearing lyrics. I've I've said this on here before. (laughs) Metaphors often fly straight over my head. Uh, My brain is far too literal oftentimes. Lyrics or the process of writing lyrics um, can be a chance to lose yourself in the metaphor, I guess. You know, indulge in the storytelling, the world that you're creating. Perhaps even to the extent of hiding behind the metaphor, um, using it as a shield to be able to express yourself without necessarily having to expose yourself or literally literally say something. And I don't mean expose yourself in terms of, you know, mooning the Pope, as <laughs> Steve Steve said in an interview this week. Um and in the process of songwriting, I mean, I've I've yet to do it myself. I've never fully, I've never penned an entire song, just myself, music, um, and my own words. Um, I can feel that sort of bubbling away in the back of my mind, uh, and it, there is that impulse. Uh, I think I'm still soaking up the various methods at play, you know, from the full, full-blown full metaphor, which requires a certain knack, a way with words perhaps, to the, the literal, the other end of the scale, which probably you know, requires a whole other set of skills um, on how to present your, your ideas. Um, I think one day, um, but for now, the ingredients for me are still just need some time to, to settle, to bubble away, I think.
3: Hello once again, listeners, and welcome to Kev's Cafe Corner once more. And this week, we're heading back over to the States, specifically to Austin in Texas, which is a hotbed of music to rival Nashville, really, and became very famous for the South by Southwest Festival, which, when I was over there in 2010, was still, I suppose, in its infancy of sorts. It's grown so much since then. But I remember uh, looking for various places to eat and drink. I remember a particularly nice cafe with uh, fresh cinnamon rolls, which was awesome, But on 6th Street, there's many, many music venues and bars and cafes. And one particular one there is called Nuno's. Now, I was in there one particular evening, and there's a local band on, pretty good, playing away, some blues. Most of the local bands are amazing over there. And uh, the guy on stage said, uh, we'd like to get Pinetop Perkins up to play. And my brain's... Going ten to the dozen here, I'm thinking, hang on a minute. How can Pine Top Perkins still be alive? This is a guy who was old when he appeared in the Blues Brothers movie outside Aretha's Soul Food Cafe, having an argument with John Lee Hooker about who wrote Boom Boom. Anyway, this guy got up and he had like a, a wide brimmed black hat dressed totally in black, a walking cane, got up and sat behind the keyboard and it was indeed Pine Top Perkins. And he ran through a few numbers and uh, played Got My Mojo Working. And I'm thinking, if you've got your mojo working, mate, I want a bit of what you've been drinking. And uh, he did a few songs and the guys turned to him and said, do you want to do any more pie? And he said, no, my back's hurting. And he dutifully got down. And I went over to him and asked him if he wanted a drink. And he said, don't drink no more. So he went and sat down. He had a little box with some CDs and, he was 96 when I met him. And uh, at 94, he made an album with Jimmy Ray Vaughan and B.B. King and Eric Clapton. And I bought that off him and got it signed by him and shook his hand. And, I mean, that is literally reaching back into the into the decades, down into the history of the blues, to to Robert Jan- Johnson. You know, he'd met Robert Johnson. And I'll never forget it. And of course, I had to immortalize it in song. And um, I wrote this song. It's called 96 on Sixth. And it features uh, our old friend of the band, Friend of the Long Road, Steph Sibiovsky on drums. And uh, you'll hear a little bit of Pine Top in there as well. And uh, he left that night on the arms of two young ladies who used to take him home. And uh, I think it was two years later, he'd done a similar short set and um, been taken home to have a rest that afternoon and uh, he passed away quietly in his sleep at the age of 98. What an amazing legend he was and what a privilege it was to meet him. This is my song in honour of Pine Top Perkins. This is 96 on 6th. Take it away, Pine. Everybody get on your feet, your feet. feet.
2: With a hat man and a walking cane Surrounded by the ladies And they all knew his name I walked up to the table Shook him by the hand A legendary hero This Delta Blues man I boy said to the CD That it made at 94 I said, Pondtop, can you sign it, man? He said, for you, son, sure I looked at all the luminaries Queuing up to play There was BB Gary Clapton and the ghost of Stevie Ray. 96 don't sit. Take it back. Oh, time all the days. Daddy Blue knows the play the blues. Got his mojo working. He gonna work. baby, I'm along for the ride With the spirits of the Mississippi Blues by his side Born in Mississippi, played in Memphis, Tennessee And he played with muddy water for everyone to see The legendary blues band with Willie big eyes killed playing Pine top boogie woogie Like no one ever did 96 on sea Oh pine top You're working, he gonna work it on you. Brr. How long we gonna keep this going for a pound? All night long.
3: There you go, a bit of a false ending there, 96 on 6th. And uh, if you're ever in Austin, Texas, then check out Nuno's on 6th Street. It's an amazing place. I had a lot of adventures in Austin and it gave me three songs for my Blue Odyssey album. So you never know, dear listeners, we may revisit that city one day. For now, take care. See you next week. (laughs)
0: Back when I started sharing the bishop's daily bread, you know, whatever that was, um, the, the the segment had its tongue firmly in its cheek, uh, whilst also, I suppose, occasionally pausing, um, you know, sticking its head above water and, and taking a breath. Um, I think this segment can represent both sides of the coin: the the flippant and the genuine, the the ephemeral and the eternal, the superficial and the deep. Which is perhaps why I've sort of gently stuck at it. Uh, and indeed that perhaps that is representative of one of the, the themes unconscious or otherwise perseverance. If you want to get anywhere with anything in life, you've got to stick at it. Um, you know, from our first wobbly attempts at perambulating as a baby to learning to read, riding your first bike, learning a foreign language, learning an instrument, anything. Okay. So I've had a look back at my week in the, the kitchen this week. Um, and I almost accidentally persevered at three things, uh, Looking even deeper, I wonder if this whole (laughs) Bishop's Daily Bread thing continues to be an attempt at therapy for for me. Um, As I wonder if these three things, these three experiments, represent missing things during life in lockdown or opportunities available during lockdown. Um, I declared at the end of last week's podcast I was going to investigate creating a, a homemade Big Mac uh, now, actually, in in the UK right now, um, McDonald's drive-throughs are open again, so I could actually have just ventured out to get the real deal. But perhaps that was missing the point in my head. Um, the Big Mac, I'm sure we we will all agree, is not the the hottest of cuisines, but to me, it does represent some of the some of there are some of the peaks that we find in the best food. For whatever reason, it triggers those bits in in my brain, at least, relating to you know tasting good food. Um, Pleasure—the pleasure from eating good food, um, uh, a, a sort of a treat experience—and uh, perhaps it's also the the mundanity, if that's a word, of um, mundaneness of uh, a Big Mac. You know, it's available in carbon copy format across the country, across the world. McDonald's has managed to create something that ticks lots of boxes, and they can mass produce. And I wonder if I've just been missing some of that mass-produced mundanity in lockdown. As it turns out, making a Big Mac is actually, <laughs> at home, It's a lot more effort than you'd think um, if you're being really authentic about it. Um, you know, the very finely chopped onions, the the shredded lettuce, both in actually tiny amounts, really. Um, the amount of beef required for um, the, per patty is mind-blowingly little, and just how do you press them thin enough, knowing that they'll shrink substantially when cooked? They're already mi- uh, mighty thin. I did even attempt my own Big Mac you know, bread rolls, tall enough so they could be sliced into the requisite three parts, um, sans sesame seeds, because I didn't have any to hand. Um, but actually the rolls worked remarkably well. Um, I think though the sauce is the biggie, um, You know, recreating the sauce is what makes the, is what elevates an ordinary burger into the prized Big Mac. Um, attempt one at the sauce was a mega fail, uh, Google let me down badly there. Attempt two, though, was just about spot on, though. You know, mayo, gherkins, American mustard, some paprika, garlic salt, onion salt, a dash of white pepper, and a splash of white wine vinegar. And actually, it it does bring the whole thing to life. You know, if you have the time and the inclination, a homemade Big Mac is kind of worth it, I think. Uh, So that was the first of my experiments. The, The next one up was... So I think this one is related to my love traveling and spending time in other parts of the world you know over the years it's mostly been in in europe i suppose uh and something that's representative of this food wise in my head um something that i've i probably only just about have on holiday uh a, a mozzarella and tomato salad you know somewhere hot and sunny um you've perhaps heard of my attempts to home make mozzarella in previous episodes all complete failures or at best mediocre successes um and I said at the time I'd chip away. Um so I've had two further attempts this week. Um the first attempt featured a a substantial enough measuring error, it turns out. I was I was halving a recipe, forgot to halve one of the components, um which led to just ad you know utter failure. Um but attempt two worked pretty well. Not quite the deliciously soft mozzarella of my dreams, but pretty close. Um, the key thing here is having the, the right ingredients and the right plan. No surprise there to anybody, really. Um, and I was close with both of them before, but this time I think I've got just the right setup. got to tweak the execution a, a fraction next time, uh, and I think it'll be spot on. I'm pretty confident. So you see, chipping away, you know, gets you there eventually. My um, my third experiment uh, is actually still underway. In total, it'll probably take 26 hours from beginning to end, Um started around 8 p.m last night i'll probably finish at around 10 p.m tonight now this to me represents the opportunity side of lockdown um you know sometimes just grab a hold of an experience because you can so now i understand baking might not be much to some people but to others it's a you know it's a a life bringer a, a joy bringer so I'm pushing myself here with something I've often jokingly said. Oh, I'll never be so bored that I'll make that from scratch. Um, so today it sees me attempting from scratch croissant. You know, you've know, you got to make a laminated dough. That is uh, a dough that's got a, um, a layer of butter inside it. And then you fold that up and roll it out multiple times. So you end up with a, a brain-defying number of layers of dough and butter, then dough and butter, and dough and butter. Um, and then when cooked, the layers expand away from each other. Something to do with water evaporating, I presume. Uh, And you get that flaky, puffed-up croissant texture. Um, You know, the ingredients are simple and, you know, store cupboard sort of things, basically. Uh, But it's the precise steps and, I guess, overall time span, which is probably off-putting. But, I bloody love a freshly made croissant. Bloody love it. So, in a rather spontaneous move um, yesterday, I thought, I'm going to give it a go. So, as I speak, I've done three turns... Uh, I can't do the maths very well, but I think I think you start with three layers, and then on turn one it means you've got, so that's where you fold it, you've got nine layers, Could you fold it over in three. Uh, and then turn two, you've got 27 layers, because that's nine times three. And then turn three, you've got 81, I guess it would be, because that's 27 times three. Um, the recipe has been very precise and insistent on measurements, you know, literal dimensions. You know, roll the pastry out to be 10 inches by 14 inches. Um, use a pizza slice or a sharp knife to trim to the exact size. Uh, and I've been I've been fairly faithful, um, but I, I don't know yet whether I've been faithful enough. Time will tell. Um, so what do croissants represent in this lockdown culinary journey? Oh, I think probably a fairly big challenge, you know, not quite mount everest but perhaps a a hearty enough scarfell pike something like that you know tickling that part of the brain that is there to push oneself but mainly i think i hope the results will be delicious enough to justify the journey and isn't that rather the point (laughs) that's it for this week. Thanks for listening wherever in the world you are. Great to have you with us as ever. Remember to subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify. Uh, The next episode will be out next week, Friday the 26th of June, 2020. Um, You can always check out our past episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, And let us know what you think um, about the shows, about the music. Um, Find us on Facebook. That's our main social media channel. Just look for The Vagabond Way or Steve Bonham and The Long Road. You should find us. Don't forget to check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash thevagabondway. Also, all of our music is now on Spotify and Apple Music. Go and have a listen. If you like what you hear, you might consider purchasing from Apple Music or some other online store. If you use Spotify, please remember to follow us on Spotify. We're also on Patreon at patreon.com slash thevagabondway. Patreon is a great platform that makes it super easy for anyone out there, you, to support content that you love on a monthly basis. It gives you direct access to the people creating the stuff you love, us, hopefully, uh, and you get to play an integral part in shaping the direction of the things that we make. So, become a Vagabonder, that is our name for our supporters on Patreon, to help us create music, live performances, books and short stories, this weekly podcast uh, and some new things we're cooking up. As a Vagabonder, you get the recordings and books we make for free, receive exclusive Patreon-only merchandise in the post, get regular behind-the-scenes updates from us, unlock access to exclusive live-stream performances and Q&As, and lots more. You can help us create something different, something that entertains, and something that inspires others. So, join us on the journey and release the Vagabond within. Patreon.com slash The Vagabond Way thank you once again brave adventurers vagabonds and explorers for joining us on the vagabond way remember the world isn't beige it's authentic it's rich and it's real embrace every last bit of it until next time the journey goes ever on with the long road bye for now